Chapter Fourteen of Grandpa's Darlings by Pansy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen: Queer Ideas. My Ray said something this morning that made me think of some of Minnie's sayings of which I had forgotten to tell you. We had company. Ray was in his high chair, sat looking steadily at the stranger's face, his mind busy with wondering thoughts. I think I can guess what some of them were. Only a few days ago he discovered that each person in the world had a name that was his or her own property. Up to that time he had imagined that the general name lady or gentleman was all that anybody owned. This new thought was evidently troubling him. He only waited until I had taken my seat beside him to say with earnest face and a ringing voice, Mama, what is that man's name? The question took me back ten years and more to the time when Minnie was bent on asking questions, and I mean to go back and tell you about it. She was very much given to asking just that question that my Ray did, and she always pointed her wee finger right at the person about whom she was talking. Now, if you have never tried it, you haven't the least idea how awkward it is to be sitting among a room full of people, some of them strangers, and have a shrill little voice shout out just in a pause in the conversation, so that everybody is attending, Auntie Bell, who is that man? This was the uncomfortable thing that Minnie of three years was very apt to do. We tried very hard to break her of it, but she was always in such solemn earnest, and was so sure that she was asking in just the right time, that it was hard to scold her. One day there was a great meeting in our church, and the town was full of strangers, ministers and teachers, and all those good people who are apt to go to great meetings. Almost every house in town was turned into a willing hotel to entertain the guests. You may be sure that Minnie's grandpa was not behind in this pleasant duty, and our house was full. Minnie had been very much interested in the strangers, and had asked the usual number of questions. So I thought I would be wiser than she for once, and get rid of some of them. It chanced that on the second day of the meeting we were to have two more guests at dinner. I was combing Minnie's hair and putting on her third clean apron to get her ready for dinner, when it occurred to me to give her a lesson at the same time. Minnie, I said, there are to be two gentlemen to dinner today whom you have not seen before. They are to sit right opposite you, at Grandpa's right, and Auntie wants to tell you about them. They are ministers, one is an old gentleman and one is young. Their names are Mr. Eastman and Mr. Briggs. They live a great way off. I have forgotten the name of the place. Now you must say those names over a good many times so you will remember, and you won't ask me at the table what they are, will you? Because it isn't polite, you know. If you forget, you will wait until after dinner to ask, won't you? I won't forget, said Minnie very gravely. I don't ever forget, Auntie Bell. I shall know their names always. This was true. She had a wonderful little memory, especially about things that were not worth remembering. Very well, I said, quite satisfied with my teaching, 
and feeling glad that i should be able to eat my dinner without the fear of being asked that embarrassing question half an hour afterward minnie in ruffle apron hair combed smoothly and tied back by the pinkest of ribbons sat in her high chair and with grave face and folded hands waited while the white-haired minister asked a blessing she was very busy studying the faces of the two strangers so busy that her little tongue was very quiet so perfect was she in her behavior that the younger of the two gentlemen finally said your little one is remarkably well behaved for one so young it was just at that important moment when the attention of every one was called to her that she suddenly spoke in the clearest most ringing voice imaginable auntie bell which is mr briggs and which is mr eastman and she pointed her two little forefingers one at each as if she meant to shoot them of course they were a good deal astonished and of course a long explanation had to be made as to her way of getting acquainted with people and then i had to tell about my attempt to teach her beforehand the way i had succeeded they could see for themselves they seemed wonderfully amused and laughed until they brought a red glow all over minnie's cheeks and she hardly knew whether to laugh or cry it was all right grandpa said as later in the day he held the little girl in his arms and patted the brown head and kissed the quivering lips and flushing cheeks for by this time minnie had thought we had laughed enough and had almost made up her mind to cry tell auntie bell that next time she must teach the whole of the lesson instead of stopping halfway you kept your promise and didn't ask what their names were i membered said minnie with a little sob i know their names now of course you do and if you couldn't tell which was which that can hardly be called your fault halfway teaching said grandpa again after the little girl had been comforted and gone happily to her play there is a world of mischief done by that kind of teaching if you are going to be a teacher you want to take this for a lesson and be careful that you don't forget half of the lesson grandma was rather afraid that i would feel hurt she was a grandma who all her life was looking out for and being careful of other people's feelings so now she said but after all father this was only fun not real genuine teaching it really doesn't make much difference how many of her funny little questions minnie asks as long as she is such a little bit of a mouse don't you think we may take things too soberly in this world and then grandpa turned his dear loving eyes on me to see whether i was taking it too soberly as he said i don't think there is any harm in getting an earnest lesson for the future even out of our little minnie's queer sayings and doings i suppose that is one reason why the sunny days of babyhood are given to us instead of our having a grown-up young lady all at once years after that i had two little girls who came to recite arithmetic lessons one day they had to be kept to get their lesson it was a line in the multiplication table they whispered together a minute and then they set about their work with energy when they came to recite laura went through with the first half of the line very perfectly then she stopped go on i said 
and I have to smile yet to think of the absurd little voice that said, Sister Anne learned the other half. It brought back in a minute my half-lesson to Minnie and my father's words. I told the little girls the story right away, and tried to make them want to do things with all their hearts, and not half-way. Minnie had some other queer ideas. Once when I was dressing her for a walk, she was very anxious to wear a wide blue sash with a bright pink merino dress that she had on. "'Why, Minnie,' I said, "'that would be dressing in very bad taste. Don't you know that pink and blue don't look nicely together?' "'Why don't they?' she said, not inclined to be convinced. It was a question not easy to answer to a three-year-old, so I said, "'Never mind why they don't. You can't always have the reason explained. You must be content to know that it is so, because Auntie Bell says so.' I had my little bit of a lesson out of that. We were in Grandpa's room, putting the finishing touches to the dressing. Grandpa was at the table shaving." "'It is a pretty heavy responsibility that Auntie Bell is taking,' he said, looking around at us just then. "'After that sentence, you must be very careful indeed that what you say is just so.' "'How many times I have thought of that since, when I have been tempted to say, "'I haven't time,' when I meant, "'I don't want to,' or to say, "'In a few minutes,' when I meant as many hours.' but I started out to tell you how Minnie applied her new idea. The next morning I was up at the other house, waiting for Minnie's mamma to go out with me. She stood at the glass arranging her hat, and Minnie at her side was looking up soberly and thoughtfully into the glass. Somebody feels rather grave over the prospect of a walk being taken without her, mamma said in a low tone, calling my attention to the sober face but it seemed that she was mistaken as to the cause of the gravity. Just then Minnie spoke. "'Mama, I don't think your face is in good taste at all.' "'Not in good taste?' said Mama, very much astonished. "'What in the world can the child mean?' "'It is so, Mama. Your eyes are blue like the sky, and your lips and cheeks are just as red.' and Auntie Bell said that red and blue were very bad taste, and that I was never to wear them together, and you have to wear yours all the time. I am so sorry for you, Mamma. Mamma left off trying to tie her bonnet strings into a nice bow, and sat down in the nearest chair to laugh. I don't know what will come next, she said, as soon as she could speak. If my little girl has got so that she objects to my cheeks and eyes because they are not in good taste, I must be prepared for anything. Is Auntie Bell's teaching all going to be as inconvenient as that? We heard a good deal about it after that, and I am not sure even to this day whether they laughed most at Minnie for her queer idea or at Auntie Bell for her queer teaching." Grandpa had a different way of teaching. Let me give you one other little story that will show you how he did it. Among the many wedding presents that my friends gave me was a butter knife. That I think I thought more of than of most all the others, because my dear little Minnie was the giver. I brought it home with me when I came on a visit, 
and we used it on grandma's table to please minnie one day she watched her papa very anxiously as he helped himself to butter and seemed relieved when he set down the dish what now he said with a little laugh as he noticed her thoughtful face have i done anything to hurt your little bits of feelings why said minnie with a little sigh i was most afraid you scraped it so hard papa i was most afraid you would lose the name off in the butter and somebody would eat it up and we couldn't find it any more what name papa said in great amazement while the rest of us burst into merry laughter why the name papa she said struggling with her embarrassment don't you know we had the man put words on it auntie bell from minnie and i was afraid you would scrape them off at this point the laugh became so loud that minnie slipped down from her chair and ran to her refuge grandma's lap hiding her face in grandma's neck it was on the evening of the same day that grandpa took his darling in his arms and i passing back and forth at my work heard bits of the sweet talk that they were having the man engraved the name on the knife grandpa said and after that no one could get it off no matter how hard they might try then followed a very plain talk about engraving how it was done and why it couldn't be got off when i went that way again they had gone to another part of the subject there's a verse in the bible about it grandpa was saying it says he will engrave our names on his hand jesus hand you know that means that if we love him he will be just as sure not to forget us as you would be not to forget the name of a dear friend if it were engraved right on the palm of your hand here where you could read it every time you look down wouldn't you like to have jesus think as much of you as that and i as i passed out of hearing thought that is grandpa's way of teaching it is a lesson better worth learning than the one about pink and blue ribbons and it hasn't been half taught end of chapter sixteen